Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 161. Prologue. Will. <gasps> William? Will I am? <laughs> Will he won't be. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Wow, we are at... We are at the very top of the wall, looking out over the whole world. The whole world is our oyster. Mm. This is the very first <laughs> ace. I know it does sound really delicious. Yeah. I really do want an oyster now that I've said this. Uh, the very first. The start of it all. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, I mean, as we said, we should start back. And we're not yeah. doing the whole series again. We're only doing all of the prologues. But this is the very first <laughs> prologue. <laughs> and therefore significant this is the rewind you've all been waiting for where we start doing sansa stark as a pov character as we've been saying we broke the multiverse we have crashed through the multiverse it's topical humor have you watched it i haven't haven't no absolutely not i i know all the spoilers for it i've read all the production of course you do of I knew course. all the big, you know, but I'm I'm waiting. I'm just waiting till it comes to streaming. Yeah, I'll mm. wait. I'll just wait. Something about paying that fucking whatever seven ninety nine <laughs> for a Disney Plus account is gonna pay off for my family. Okay, that's true. I gotta use my yeah Disney Plus more. Um, granted, I'm don't not let paying. the mouse get I'm you not, down. I'm not paying. I'm in a family, and I think my family uses my other families. I'm not related <laughs> to the family account I'm in. Only by oh. only like we're like the Night's Watch, you know. Oh my god, brothers. <laughs> yeah, sworn. Brothers. Sworn he in is front like my of brother. whatever. Hi, Andrew. He's not he doesn't listen to me. Uh, he doesn't well, listen to me. Andrew aside. He's using my Paramount uh, Plus account, you know, where I'm watching iCarly so he can watch Halo. I was gonna so. say, what are you watching? iCarly and yes! Rugrats? Jesus. Yes, literally iCarly. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten to that part of the global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yep, that part, that part, that part. Uh, but thankfully, we are saved by the prologue out of our iCarlying, out of our the Walking Deading. I'm not much better. Oh um, we're saved. We're all saved because we have the prologue. And I don't think I've read this chapter in a very long time, like years ago. I don't think I've reread this chapter in a while. I don't remember that. I, I reread it every now and then just because, I don't know, it comes up and it's like short. And also, I think it's the chapter I've reread the most because every time I'm like, I'm starting a reread, obviously, oh. <laughs> it's right there, you know? Well, I don't think I've done a linear reread in full or completed it, right? Or like even was ambitious enough in a while. Like, I think I left yeah. off on a feast reread. Because I think, like, after rereading it a couple times, I was like, well, what if I only read a certain book when I felt the mood for it? And what if that book mm-hmm. was a feast for crows? Like, eight I... times. Or a clash of kings, like, three times. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, and that's just out of the love, I think, of the story and of the chapters that I liked the most, you know, or wanted to revisit. And really, that's mm-hmm. what led us to be together, which we are celebrating a four-year anniversary together. Thank we you for are. your well we wishes. Are. We have had yes, lots of yes. well wishers. We're holding hands through the screen right now. You can't see it. We are. We We're, are. Yeah. 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 Don't leave me hanging. Thank you. Graduating yeah. from. Uh, oh, hold on. I, I had my hand not right in front of the camera. You couldn't tell. <laughs> what is. What's the four year anniversary? You know? 
What is that? Let's see. Four-year anniversary is... Do they all have names? I think so. Uh, Fruits and Flowers. Oh, oh, that's beautiful. The Sansa. The Sansa anniversary. The Sansaversary. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. We've come full circle. The Sansaversary, which is why our next POV is Sansa Stark. No, I'm just yep. kidding. It's Yeah, area. four years, though. Four years, oh my god, of POV by POV. So it has been a while since I've reread in a linear fashion, probably for that reason. I've been with you for five years of my life. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'm like always like am going through the whole reread. I just like pick it up. I'm like, eh, wouldn't it be funny? And then I just stop after the first chapter. I was like, that was a good try. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good run. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, I find myself like if the chapter I'm reading for our weekly book report that we do for y'all, if I find that chapter really compelling or, like, it's something that snags me, it's, like, a hardcore... Like, Brienne, it was hard not to keep going. Like, I would keep going after the chapter that I was rereading. I'd be like, oh, shit, and now I'm all the way in the Cersei chapter. Oh, shit, now I finished A Feast for Crows again. Uh, (laughs) Really, I'm just a feast truther, a feast believer. You know? God. Well... This is kind of the month of his dark materials, although we're returning to the prologue. Uh, Thanks for putting up with us, our absence, for a little quick week. Had to get our shit together, our health, our business, our lives, a little travel, a little sickness. I think we're doing better. Uh, Yeah, I guess kind of. I don't know. I hate kind of sicknesses because they just stick with you for a while. Like I've I've always been like this with this one. I'm going to be congested for a while, but um, it's whatever. I'm definitely better. I definitely feel better than when we were recording last week. <laughs> yeah. Nope. I don't feel like I'm dying. So that's that good. A struggle. There are moments where yeah. I was like, Chloe, you do this quote. I can't do this. <laughs> I literally cannot do this voice. <laughs> so, uh, And you know what? My Jon Snow voice is barely back. We're working on mm-hmm. it. We're not going to mm-hmm. do any Jon Snow quotes today. Just warning you mm-hmm. out the gate for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Need a little break so we can come back to him strong and heavy. You know, really Ew. string them back in. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, Patreon episode, bonus episodes every month, stranger to your patrons, $5 and above, get a bonus episode. This month is going to be a His Dark Materials episode on the new His Dark Materials novella, question mark, tiny book, you know, post-it notes of thoughts from Philip Pullman. But you know what? Hey, it's a book. We'll take it. So, um... It's going to be on that. It's called The Imagination Chamber. Yeah. Uh, we're going in with open minds, open hearts. Yeah, open minds, open hearts. <laughs> open pockets. Yeah. <laughs> open, open pockets. Yep, yeah. Open credit card bill. Uh, no, yep. I'm just kidding. Yep. We did I have mean, to sneak it in, smuggle it in, Davos style, right? Because, yeah. my God, they didn't publish it. The U.S. publishers didn't want this story. You guys, it's kind of wild. Uh, if you're into his dark materials, we also cover the main trilogy, and we've started the outer trilogy, the Books of Dust. Yes, and we are finishing up the main trilogy next month. The last week of this month will be dedicated to HDM. Uh, we will return next month with a full ASWAF schedule and the final episode of HDM of his dark materials, the Amber Spyglass. Wow. Yeah, wow, kind of crazy to think about. <laughs> wow, uh, but. But that just means you will only have two episodes this month, so we will return, right, we'll return with the remainder of the POVs 
Next week, you will get a Crescent episode, though. Yeah, you will get a Crescent episode. It's cresting upon May. Oh my god. With our friend Alex August of Got Thrones. Yeah, I'm so excited. Alex from Got Thrones, which if you listen to them back in the day with Alex as well as Johnny, uh, really fun. They are a fun cast. I think you can still get these episodes. I gotta look it up. I think it's still out there. They still have their feed active, though. Also of Skybound Infamy. We spent some time with Alex during the Skybound Expo last year, digitally, virtually. We were in the, the Skybound metaverse. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what any of it means, but I'm excited. I actually got to hang out with Alex in the real world at San Diego Comic-Con a couple years ago. Yeah, and Johnny, actually. I got to meet them both. And when we figured out who, how we knew each other, tangentially, we didn't know each other. Like, we, we were in each other's room. She was it. She was, came up and friends with Tara from Ice and Fire Con, a geek saga. She came up and she's like, Wait, I know you. How do I know you? And we realized that we follow each other on the oh, internet. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. It was one of those. Yeah, she's like, we've been following each other for like We're five mutual. years. Yeah. <laughs> for like five the years. Bond, uh, maybe, yeah. It's like I've known her my whole life, really. I Basically. haven't, but it's like I have. It's like I have. I mean, I, I am excited to have Alex on. Alex is really fun. And, I mean, knows her stuff. So it's going to be, it's going to be great and obviously i mean crescent's just i mean all the prologues all the prologues are bangers obviously but the crescent one is very exciting i will tell you it's not easy to crush this one down i can see why some podcasts have issue with um doing one episode on the crescent prologue because it is very thick it is a big boy is it, it is, is so it? M- i mean look we've covered davos already so we're kind of doing an undoing, right? This uh, this kind of sets up some stuff that makes you presuppose a lot about Stannis and about his whole team. It, it changes some of the views. I think it's only... I've judged correctly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have some mixed feelings. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about it next week with Alex. But I do have a lot of thoughts already. I'm like, huh. Like, maybe... I don't know. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. Interesting. There is. There's a lot going on. But it changes your perspective reading it out of order, right? So yeah, like true. we we have already kind of read all the John stuff. So some of the Night's Watch stuff like chat will be kind of interesting. And and we've read all the Sam stuff, right? And yep. Sam is a big focal point for Chet's character as well. So And, and for Pate. Yeah, for Pate with uh, us just finishing at the Citadel, it's perfect. It, we kind of, we did think about this just a little, you guys, not yeah, to flex, not to flex. I do want to add, to my knowledge, we should have guests for every single prologue. It sounds I'm like very it, excited so to far. reveal them. Yeah, we're solidifying yes. the last couple, but a guest for each, a guest for each, so... Get on yeah. your guessing hats. I'm excited to reveal them as we go. Alex is just the first of a line of fun guests and a new POV. I can't yeah. wait for that one. July. Yeah. Absolutely. God. Absolutely. Oh, man. Stop. Oh, my it's God. It's going to be. I mean, it will. Like, we're going to start July with a new. It's going to be a revolution, you know. Wow. It's almost Leo season. I mean, first, we have to go through. It's really not. <laughs> We're like two and a half months from Leo season. Don't worry about it. 
We have to go through a lot of other seasons before we get there. First, we're doing Gemini season. And, oh, God. Well, we're still up. in Taurus season, which... Then we got Gemini season, then Cancer season before we ever get there. We're, we're really not close, Chloe. It's not close. <laughs> it's like a whole quarter away. Well, buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. Speaking of timing, got a lot. our brunch is coming up soon. Yeah, last thing for you tonight is our brunch, right? Discord members in the Thunder tier and above, well, you know, they get access to the new POV a little bit before everyone else, uh, which is kind of fun. And they get a bunch of other perks that you can find out at our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. But they also have access to our private Discord server where we talk about everything and anything under the sun. We have lots of fun channels and we do events. Weekly, we're doing a His Dark Materials rewatch discussion hosted by our patrons. And monthly, we do a brunch slash happy hour where we just hang out, kick back, have a drink or a snack and uh, chit chat, play games sometimes. You know, worlds are worlds are oyster once yeah. more. Once yeah. more. Force people to play drawing games and they're all like, what is this, Eliana? And I'm like, it's fun. Look at all the fun we're having. <laughs> Eliana is chaotic when I leave her be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no emails. Interestingly, n- none of you sent any emails or tweets of note regarding the Will POV. I think everyone was just like too stunned. You know, we're all babies. We're all starting this whole thing anew. Who am I? You know, if you were at Ice and FireCon and you got to see the panel, uh, there was a panel Thursday with Yoke Boy, Lady Gwyn, I think Aziz, might have been Ashea or Sean. I'd have to look back, and I think it's going to be up on their YouTube, but they did a great prologue analysis. I heard tons of great things about it, and I only regret that I didn't get to go, and I haven't gotten to see the video before this, because I really wanted to shout them out on so much they talked about from everything I've heard people talk about. Uh, But alas, the timing didn't happen. But make sure when that comes out, we'll we'll send a link around for sure, because I'm sure it's a solid panel. Like, they already did it. I don't know why we're doing the prologue today. They already did it. Because we said we were going to do the prologue and we have to do it eventually. God, I am a woman of the north of my honor. Can't forsake yeah. my vows. Well, speaking of starting back, we've got we've got a little callback that you've given us here to I think our first episode, our very first episode. Yeah, to quote a famous poet, let's go back. Back to the beginning. Back to when the earth, the sun, the stars all aligned. Yes, absolutely. It's a Hilary Duff of, you know, Lizzie McGuire notoriety and musical yep. fame. She just uh, put out some photos recently. I think, it, I think it was today. I forgot what magazine it was, but, you know, photos showing off her body and people are saying, you know, she's aged like a fine wine and everyone's like, dog, she's 34. Like, what, what, what? <laughs> She's 34. Like, she's not, like, fucking Melisandre age, you know? <laughs> like, what do, what do people think? But, I mean, speaking of watching reboots, right, and watching iCarly, I am I am watching. It's not a reboot. I was really looking forward to the Lizzie McGuire reboot that we're never getting, apparently. But I am watching How I Met Your Father, and it is... It's okay. Oh but it, it, scratches, it scratches the itch that I wanted for a Lizzie McGuire as an adult, you know? Yeah, I'm glad it didn't happen from what I heard, just that it wasn't going in a good direction. I think that if it had gone the direction Hillary Duff wanted it to go in, 
right? But Disney wasn't willing to do that. And now we'll never know. We'll never. I mean, now we do because we've got How I Met Your Father, and it's like probably practically the same premise. <laughs> that is something I'm gonna let you keep finding out for yeah. me. Yeah. Yep. You know, but I mean, sometimes is... in a couple, you gotta let the other person pursue their dreams, and Eliana, and I want yeah. you to watch it without me. I'm yep. And so you know what? Let the snow fall down. Oh my and god! Wake that is my not even... dreams of spring. <sighs> Did you think that was a segue? Did you? I tied in a lot of things, all right? I tied in, for the most part, a verse from the song and the final book, so I don't see how I didn't accomplish the assignment. You're all wondering right now, beyond Eliana's segue skills, you are all wondering, how are they going to do a lightning round? How are they going to do it? Because this is the very start. Where would you go before this to describe the prologue, right? How are you going to logically arrange that? Well, I think we know the only way to start the lightning round. On September 20th, 1948, George Raymond Martin was born in Bayonne, New Jersey to Raymond Collins Martin and Margaret Brady Martin. He began selling fiction stories at age 21 in 1970, selling his first, The Hero, to Galaxy Magazine. His first story nominated at the Hugo Awards and Nebula Awards with Morning Comes Mistfall was published in 1973. He had a day job, because short stories don't exactly pay the bills, and after a few years was tournament director for the Continental Chess Association. This schedule allowed him to write, though, and he released his first novel, Dying of the Light, in 1977, which benefited from the success of Star Wars, science fiction, all that fun stuff in the 70s, and gave him a pretty penny in his pocket, three years worth his teaching salary. Then in the mid-70s, George met a professor, George Guthridge, from Debucky, Iowa, at a sci-fi con in Milwaukee, where he persuaded Guthridge to give speculative fiction another chance and try to write it himself. Guthridge went on to be a finalist for the Hugos as well as the Nebula Award and won the Bram Stoker Award in 1998, but in return he helped Martin find a job at the now Clark University. He became an English and Journalism instructor and then writer-in-residence at the college until 1979 when his wife graduated and he resigned. He's a member of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America and even served as the organization's Southwest Regional Director in the 70s and its Vice President from 96 to 98. He and Gardner Dozois organized the first Hugo Losers Party for the benefit of past and present Hugo Losers to gather the evening following the awards ceremony and, you know, party through the sorrow. The year it was born, 1976, George was nominated for two Hugos, but lost both. He often wrote fantasy or horror, though he wrote many hybrids of sci-fi and horror in the late 70s, specifically to prove a critic wrong. He considers Sand Kings and Night Flyers the better-known versions of these, with Night Flyers making it to screen. Though not a hit at the theaters, he claims it saved his career. 
He has also written at least one political military fiction, Night of the Vampires, in Harry Turtledove's best military science fiction of the 20th century anthology. In 1982, he published Fever Dream, an adaptation of the hit CW TV show The Vampire Diaries, set in the 19th century on the Mississippi River. It's it's not based on The Vampire Diaries, it's like the other way around. Where vampires are not quite supernatural humans, but a different species, related to them, evolved, superhumans. This was followed by the Armageddon rag, which didn't go so hot. He kind of claims it destroyed his career as a novelist at the time. He even thought about doing real estate instead before TV came calling. We're in 1984! Bain Books editor Betsy Mitchell called to ask if he'd do a collection of Haviland Tough Adventures. He was interested, but too busy writing black and white and red all over. But editors rejected his novel, so he accepted the offer, writing stories collected in Tough Voyaging. They sold well enough to earn a sequel, but before George could do it, he was approached to adapt the Armageddon rag into a film. It didn't pan out, but producer Philip Daguerre Jr. called him back to write for the new Twilight Zone, then he moved to Hollywood to seek a new career. The reboot was cancelled, but he began to bounce around TV, working on Max Headroom, also cancelled, sad face, <laughs> and then the fantasy drama, Sansa and the- wait. Beauty and the Beast, Beast. Jamie and Brienne, becoming the show's co-supervising producer and writing of 14 episodes. He published a collection of short horror stories and portraits of his children, and continued working in print media, editing book series, overseeing the multi-author Wild Cards series, taking place in a post-World War II shared universe where humanity gets superpowers. He also became obsessed with the role-playing game Superworld, which he attributes a lot of his writing of the series of Wild Cards to, even calling 1983 his lost year, which we've all been there, George. There's been a lot of Animal Crossing, New Horizon, Hades, Stardew Valley, anyway. But his bank account told him, get his shit together and make Superworld profitable instead of just playing it for a year straight. So Wild Cards was born, and it has continued to be popular, even being approached to be adapted to the screen. You know, drink your haterade if you would like about Dem Cards, but we respect the hustle of Wild Cards because, again, it's a multi-authored series that George edits occasionally. <clears throat> Is it, but is it a multiverse of madness? I don't oh, know. Okay. Actually, I literally don't know. Um, so let's need fast the aces and, uh, aces and Jokers. Aces and Jokers. Aces and Jokers, yes. I do like them. They are fun. But let's talk about fast-forwarding to 1991. George is like, wow, for Eliana's first birthday, let's be frustrated with TV. And he yearns to write once more, ready to never compromise his own imagination again and strikes out into the world of high epic fantasy inspired by the wars of the roses the accursed kings ivanhoe and many others such as turtles george penned a game of thrones published in 1996 and that my friends brings us to the entire reason that we are here George Railroad Martin, trademark bookshelf stud, A Game of Thrones, and the Game of Thrones prologue. 
That leads us into our overview of the prologue, Will. To go forward, you must absolutely goddamn fucking literally go back. So that's what we're doing before we can go forward. Indeed, indeed. We should start back, urges Garrett, an older man, past fifty. Sir Waymar Royce is younger, more confident, easy, and pushes ahead. They argue about whether or not the dead are dead. While Will listens, wondering if he should pipe up too, at least before they drag him into the argument. We're introduced so quickly to these new characters, and we actually have reflections on these characters later in the story. Uh, the first quote that, that comes to mind is Elaine one in A Feast for Crows of the Royces. He was a guest at Winterfell when his son rode north to take the black. She had fallen wildly in love with Sir Waymar, she remembered dimly. Glad that Sansa is learning right of these pretty boys. And sad because, you know, well, rip, rip to Waymar. But Indeed. we do hear about them in other chapters, not just in The Vale with Sansa Lane. We hear of Garrod, Waymar, and Will and Tyrion III from Mormont. I sent Benjen Stark to search after Jan Royce's son, lost on his first ranging. The Royce boy was green as summer grass, yet he insisted on the honor of his own command, saying it was his due as a knight. I did not wish to offend his lord father, so I yielded. I sent him out with two men I deemed as good as any in the watch. More fool I. Yeah, I mean, kinda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually the... Anyways, we'll talk about that being the whole yeah. point of you, Mormont, but... <laughs> How's his dad gonna know? Like, we go through all this later with John, anyways. Yeah, what's his dad gonna fucking do? He sent him to military school. <laughs> anyway. For life. Yeah. So, Garrett says, My mother told me that dead men sing no songs. And Will says that his wet nurse said the same thing. And then Waymar's all like, Don't believe anything you hear at a woman's tit. And... Weird thing to say, but also, I mean, obviously the prologue, it's a microcosm, right? Of the themes that come up over and over again in the series, that's why it's the prologue, and blah blah blah. Yes, the dead are dead, but beyond the obvious ice zombie threat we see, the dead can in fact hurt us in many ways. For example, emotionally, Ned's chapters, which hold the first book together, they're about the hurt that he uh, carries about his siblings and his father dying. Robert, obviously, has never let go of Lyanna, and also Rhaegar keeps haunting him. We hear that in Ned's very first chapter, and also even after Tywin's death, for example, later on, Tyrion carries the trauma that his dad inflicted on him everywhere. People also carry good things, though. Sometimes they carry lessons about the dead, too. Uh, but we're not going to dwell on that, mu that much. The dead also do continue to sing songs, I would assert. I mean, that's a big part of the story, right? Like, you talked about Sansa in this earlier, right? And we obviously talked about her love of songs many times. And, I mean, it's the songs of dead heroes that motivate a lot of our young protagonists early on as they try to live up to all these memories. Yeah, I mean, almost all of them, right? That's where we yeah. learn these from. Yeah. That's great. And, and yeah, the, the ghost is so prominent of all of these people and stories from the very start, right? Mm -hmm. This chapter alone is pushing so many things to set up, but it's not pushing them hard. When you read the Crescent chapter, when we talk about that next week, it, it's thick and it's very, it's got a lot of exposition and a lot of work to do and a lot to deliver to the reader, where this is more effortless, I will say. 
Uh, not to compare apples and oranges, right? They're very different chapters with very different purposes. But this one is such an effortless horror story that introduces these characters so well and starts to introduce elements of the later plots delicately. Absolutely, absolutely. Great world building also, too, of course. You know, things like how far are things, right? They're an eight or nine day trip ahead of them. Night's falling. Garrett points this out, and Waymar is once more uncaring about the situation, brushing Garrett off. Will can sense something a little bit more than wounded pride in Garrett, who is uh, the master at arms. And there's like this tension, and he's like, it's almost like it's fear. I'm like, maybe it is. Anyway, <laughs> Will himself, though, also shares this feeling of unease. He'd been at the wall for four years, and the first time he had gone beyond it, he wet himself. Okay, it's just like Sam. See? Yeah. Yeah. People just love He's not the only one. Yeah, he's not the only one. Uh, No, I mean, it's scary. It's fucking cold, and there's fucking ice zombies, and it's fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah. I'd pee. God. Yeah. And he, so, (laughs) afterward, he, like, laughed about it, though. He had better humor, right? Uh, He's now a veteran of 100 rangings, and the haunted forest no longer scares him as much. But tonight's a lot different. The darkness has an edge to it. They'd been riding for nine days already on top of the trip to come, away from the wall, tracking a band of free folk raiders. Today had been the coldest, and all day Will felt as if something were watching him. Something cold. And we have a line, Garrod felt it too. Very shivery. Very good use of just the the short... Yeah, it's just so good. I feel horrible for Garrett in all of this. He's very obviously seen some shit uh, in okay. his many years of living, and he keeps getting blown off by Waymar, who I don't think he means unwell totally, but he is not. They need to figure out each other's personality types and like communicate as all. Well. Yeah, I mean, as we know, I mean, Waymar's a teenager, so I guess he's just like that, you know? And speaking of themes coming up from the start, you know, this very second page covers the fear that Garrett is close to feeling but won't voice. And Will, obviously, I mean, he shares that fear. He's like, what is this feeling? It is fear, again. And, like, with that comment about women's teats, like, I, we get the sense, again, world-building-wise, what the world is like. It's a little bit like our modern world in which there's misogyny and women's advice here is disregarded, but also, uh, I mean, I guess they're kind of, I mean, he's kind of right, you know, and he's like, that <laughs> That advice wasn't right. But anyways, these men, like when it comes to like their toxic masculinity, they're afraid to voice their fear. They're afraid to even acknowledge it as such because they'll be ridiculed for it. And we know that it is, again, somewhat tied to gender expectations because of how Waymar later on makes fun of Garrett asking him, what is unmanned to you? And, you know, that's pretty unfortunate when you consider, like, turns out fear and listening to it was good. I remember when we were doing those Sam chapters, Yoke Boy discussing how fear can be a gift and then also the very, very, very next chapter, like literally the next chapter, Ned teaches Bran that Fear is important, and it is inseparable from bravery. Yes. Prologue to Bran is so good. I did give myself a little treat tonight, right? I had a little Bran as a treat after this episode of reading the chapter for it. I was like, what if I had a little Bran 1 as a treat? Uh, It was so nice. It was so beautiful. But 
this also like is setting up the central theme of the entire plot for all of these characters, just like you mentioned of kind of them hanging in this chapter already. Look at Robert, right? Look at Stannis, as we're going to discuss next week. Uh, these men are like kind of because of toxic masculinity and the the kind of the viewpoint in Westeros. Look at what they did and the things they were driven to do, right? Because of that, mm-hmm. and. We even see something here from Mormont, his cluelessness and helplessness, right? We know he mentions in Tyrion 3 in A Game of Thrones, he thinks that he sent great men out and that they will understand that I sent, you know, the knight to lead them as an honor to do a favor to his dad. They'll understand. Is that not the same exact mentality John has when Stannis is at the wall? They'll understand. Hmm. With the free folk, they'll understand. With the Starks and abandoning his post, they'll understand. That's kind of the same exact flippant attitude John takes in his post later. Like, Mormont learns the very hard way that this attitude does not work out for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Garrett and Will would have understood, but... We'll never find out. Yeah. You know who didn't understand? The others. Um, (laughs) It's actually the other way around. The others did probably understand them, and they didn't understand the others. Anyway. (laughs) The others are multilingual polyglots jesus Uh, but yeah absolutely i mean we see a lot of that here right like getting will's perspective gives us insight into like i mean it's a kind of a precursor for chat and why everyone is like what if we mutinied yeah (laughs) which is of course again precursor for when a second time they're like what if we mutinied yeah anyway will just wanted to ride back to the wall, which is probably what everyone else felt, which is, again, why they mutinied, but knew better than to share that sentiment with his commander, Sir Waymar Royce, the youngest son of an ancient house with too many heirs. He's handsome, gray-eyed, graceful, slender, 18, tower- and by 18, I mean not the article a not Abateens, I mean, sorry, the age, the number. Towering above on- Yes. Eight and ten. Maybe that's why people said it like that. Towering above on his handsome black destrier. Both. Towering over Will and Garrett. And he wears all black because everyone here is goth. He's got leather boots, woolen pants, moleskin gloves, and a coat of black ringmail or wool and boiled leather. I will say almost all of the prologues are goth as fuck. You know? Oh, absolutely. That's such a good point. Yeah, I think that's the biggest parallel with all these prologues. They're goth as fuck. Uh, big honorable mention, of course, to our friend, Dr. Professor Magician PhD, Joe Magician of Joe Magician Notoriety over at the YouTubes. Uh, check out his Hot D breakdown. I think it'll be out oh, by the time this is out. No, not his Hot D. Wow. Wow. No, not that forward. No, his that. Hot D breakdown. His Hot D breakdown. There's a little Easter egg in there, or should be, of something. You might hear someone. Egg. Some, a little dragon egg, yeah. But honorable mention to Dr. Magician because Joe Magician wrote an amazing theory, The Killing mm-hmm. of the Ranger, right? Death of Waymar Royce. This theory basically breaks down from book, just some different quotes that he parses through and how the others are looking for a Stark and they accidentally stumble on Waymar Royce because he has, you know, those the Stark look. He is, of course, from a first men family, and they've intermarried with the Starks. So the others are like, yo, you look just like a Stark, which we see later on. Yes, yes, indeed. 
Seeing this, though, from Will, uh, and we will link that theory. Obviously, we will throw a link in for Joseph. Uh, but seeing this POV from Will instead of from Garrett or Waymar really changes how you view it, right? And uh, changes kind of the perspective of how you see this. Like this with Chet's POV coming up, hating your leader, planning a coup or a mutiny, uh, being forced to do things that you're like, this is literally unjust in this penal colony in the cold. It it is of course how the other Night's Watchmen probably feel under John that we don't get to see that from a perspective, right? We really don't get to see a POV beyond chat of that on the ground. This is kind of a, a more normal, like a, a balanced maybe version of it because you have Will, of course, he's a little, he he's kind of even in this. Like he's like, well, Waymar sucks, but like I should probably bite my tongue. Like, that's probably not, it shouldn't go off at the fucking mouth. And then he's, like, in the tree, like, eh, kind of sucks that I might die if I shout out for him, so maybe I'll just stay up here. Mood. Total yeah. mood. You know, a little craven, I guess, when you look at the, the, the term being floated, but... I mean, we'll talk about this more when we're there. I don't know that I, if it's, ah, that's shitty, that's shitty. Would I have made a different yeah. choice with someone I don't know? I don't know. I mean, again, rewatching The Walking Dead, and it's like, yo, things change when you're out there and there are ice zombies, okay? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's like, what if then you're trapped out there with nothing but ice zombies and yourself, and like life isn't even worth living? You know what I mean? Can't, yeah, maybe you, I mean, if you knew it was possible, maybe you're just like, because they're not ice zombies, right? Right. And maybe they're being converted. Maybe you're like, I want to be, I want to be a sexy ice demon too, you know? Maybe you're just like, yeah. do I qualify? Do I qualify? Are there benefits? Um, yeah. I guess I mean, the cold preserves, right? Cold preserves, preserves. you sexy and made of ice. Your armor, your, anyways, yeah. I don't you, know. There's you get a new benefits. language. I have been thinking about these things pretty often, you know, like, again, Walking Dead. But so I'm just in the zombie mindset, you know, so I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe last year, morally, just where I was sitting in a house for two years, I was like, "Eh." right now, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel out there with the zombies. I might abandon the shit out of you. I mean, you just don't know until you're there. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we'll never be there. Hopefully. Uh, That's true. I do hope that. (laughs) <laughs> when we get to Bran 1 someday, oh my god, I hope but when mm-hmm. we get there someday but after this chapter, right after this chapter in Bran 1 there, we see Garrett again, right? He he busts out. In the show it's Will so George adapted that and he changed it to Garrett uh, in the books the man had been taken outside a small hold fast in the hills Rob thought he was a wildling his sword sworn to, Mace, to Mance Raider the king beyond the wall it made Bran's skin prickle to think of it. He remembered the hearth tales old Nan told them. The wildlings were cruel men, she said, slavers and slayers and thieves. They consorted with giants and ghouls, stole girl children in the dead of night, and drank blood from polished horns, and their women lay with the others in the long night to sire terrible half-human children. But the man they found, bound hand and foot to the holdfast wall, awaiting the king's justice, was old and scrawny, not much taller than Rob, he had lost both ears and a finger to frostbite, and he dressed all in black, the same as a brother of the Night's Watch, except his furs were ragged and greasy. 
that paints a picture and just tells you like how the wall is. Not great, right? Mm-hmm. It's not great when we go to the wall later. Things aren't going great there now. Squeaky wheels get in the grease, right? Look at Waymar. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't notice that line until just now. Um, maybe we'll talk about it more one day. But like you pointed out, Rob thought he was a wildling. Because we're we're just all people. Yeah, it's just propaganda, just, Rob. I mean, they're just they're just trying to run from the ice demons, same as yeah. anyone else. Bro, you know they're dying over there, bro. They're dying. Yeah. And then fucking... Yeah. I mean, so is Rob. Rob's also dying, so... And that, yeah, that's true, so I can't get mad at him about it. But then motherfucking Stannis makes them throw out their weapons? I, okay, anyways, so, next week. Next week. Next week. Next week. Next Woo. week. Woo. But, I mean, I mean, the whole thing, right? Like, we were talking about this... Or, I, it's just... It's all smart. It's all great world-building from George, right? You're showing the injustice of, like... Yes. And the farce of the, the Night's Watch meritocracy. Garrett makes it out of one of them, goes in, gets fucked by the other, the system again, you know? Because Ned's just like, hmm, I'm Lord. And you know what? You deserted the thing to that to save your life, right? Um, And... You were talking earlier about like all the mutinies, right? I mean, all of this injustice and the lack of meritocracy really shows why people probably... Okay, I will say people probably... They definitely disliked John at first. And you know what? He was being an annoying-ass teenager. He was totally Craig a... from Degrassi, you know? just like... Absolutely. He, he's being he's being just from Gilmore Girls, which oh my god! <laughs> in the first few episodes, um, and like I get that as a person who has been an annoying ass teenager. Am I still annoying? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll we'll actually get back to that too in a second. Um, oh my god. But interestingly, I will say that the people who seem to dislike John most later on and lead some of that rebellion aren't aren't people who are lower class and have necessarily been forced for the same the same way right they seem to be more of the nobility right mm-hmm. alice or thorn uh bowen marsh right they're not at yeah. the same level of nobility but like in some ways kind of because john is a bastard but mm-hmm. it, it's like so it's, it's a little different yeah it's interesting to see it move that way and yeah, because they hate him because he rose above them. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the worst. It's not supposed to happen anywhere, let alone here. Oh, He's God. outsiders to both methods of the system. And I guess because he was loved and kind of embraced by those who don't fit in the system, right? Sam um, yeah. and the other like, lower class Night's Watchmen. Yeah. And because he got the lesson from Donald Noy, right? Like, had yeah. Donald Noy... Had Waymar survived longer, maybe Donald Noy would have given him the talk. That's actually a good point. He might have. Because he didn't. He lived there for six months and died. Less than. Fewer than. Sorry. Six months. Yeah, Waymar Royce, I mean, like, he was teachable. He was 18. Moldable, for sure. I have... I, I was taught since being 18, so... Yeah. Well, he was a brother for less than half a year. He looked the part, though. He had a very nice, sable, thick, black, soft cloak. Uh, We have this passage. Bet he killed them all himself, he did, Garrod told the barracks over wine. Twisted their little heads off, our mighty warrior. They had all shared the laugh. 
It's hard to take orders from a man you laughed at in your cups, Will reflected as he sat shivering atop his Garen. Garen must have felt the same. Hmm. Very interesting. Again, sets the stage for characters and arcs and leadership in general, but this in particular kind of reminded me about Tywin's complex about the way Tytos Lannister was treated. Yeah, very rainsy, right? All that stuff happening, that section of Lannister, Lannister history. (laughs) Pride, right? Pride is so Mm -hmm. important in the leadership and like a kind of maintaining it. That's, again, hearkening back to what you were kind of talking about with the masculinity and some of the views going on in their society. Yeah. Well, Geard once more complains that they had done the job that Mormont had, tas- Mormont had tasked them with, tracking the free folk who are dead, so they should turn back before the weather takes them. And he asks if Waymar had ever seen an ice storm, but Waymar seems to not hear him. He's distracted. He's staring into the twilight. He finally turns, asking Will to detail what he saw again and leave nothing out. And I know Will's kind of doing it for Waymar's benefit, but let's be real. Will's doing it for us. Thank you, Will. Um... And then we learn a little bit about Will's backstory. He was once a poacher, and he had been caught by Malister's men hunting in the woods, skinning one of his bucks. And they were like, all right, so you can lose a hand or you can take the black. Real real fair choices there. But um, I, there is, I think, fun language in here. There's a couple of things that are fun language within this this chapter. Uh, this one, it starts out with, like, Will was a hunter. Then it's like, okay, well, actually, no, he was a poacher. And so it kind of, again, sets us up for these ideas of, like, demystifying aspects of uh, the stories and legends, the removal of those romantic notions, and that's something the series obviously is interested in exploring. Will is skilled, obviously, right, as a hunter, but he has to use these skills not for a noble title like hunter, but to and not for, like, providing meat in that way or something heroic right he has to use it within this system again as a poacher and that unjustly forces him to then make that choice it's interesting because it does remind me of jorah later in Mm. some aspects like this is just a short version and a lowborn version of jorah's story instead of him having it all which, well, yeah. and having this set up with, you know, the Night's Watch under Mormont is interesting to have Will now be such a celebrated hunter in the Night's Watch. But then you have Jorah poaching people. And he was on Mormont land, right? So if he yep. had been caught a few years earlier, take the black. He wouldn't, have had, he wouldn't have had, I guess, a choice of servitude or maiming. Jorah would have been like, I'm selling you into slavery. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting because, like, there's so much there this chapter is honestly a great summed up version of the broken man with Bran 1. Yes. Uh, with Garrod running, right? Garrod straight up running. Will thinks later about how, point. oh, Garrod will have the, he'll be able to get us out of here. Garrod will have the sword. Me and him will run and we'll run, run, run and go to the wall and tell them. Garrod's fucking out, homie. Garrod broke. Garrod was like, I've done this for years and I can't keep doing it anymore. And that's what this story is about, is all of those broad themes encapsulated in this first chapter in a horror story, though. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's such a great point. Absolutely. Garrod and Will are, they're that story. I mean, they just, as you said, they break all honor 
Gary desserts and and I mean that's the risk, right? That's what Ned says when he beheads Garrett. He's like, you can't trust a deserter because they're they they'd be willing to do anything. And we see that the broken men become much more vicious. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, like uh, what's his face? The fool, Shagwell. Shagwell. Yeah, I mean, like all all of them. All of uh, them. Yeah, <laughs> all the people that uh, the elder brother and. Seth and Mirabal talk about all their friends who get names and leave Sandor out of this. Leave him out of this. Yeah, I mean the grave digger, the novice grave digger, whomst. No one could move through the woods as silent as Will, and it had not taken the Black Brothers long to discover his talent. Sorry, Will. The narrative says something more silent comes later. (laughs) (laughs) Why else would you set this up? (laughs) Yeah. It's for fun. Look at all for the fun. fun. Anyways, Will recants his trip two miles over beside a stream. He had seen a total of eight free folk, no children, the television show. Again, the original adaptation of this. Origi- sorry, the original version of this. In the television show, they did have children, right? Under a lean-to against a rock, there's no fire burning. No one was moving, and there's no blood. There's some weaponry, and it's on the ground beside them. Some of the folks were sitting up against the rocks. Most are on the ground, fallen. One was in a tree, unmoving. Um, and funnily enough, we get introduction to the term far eye, and I think the one who was in the tree has one. That's a fancy term for a telescope in this prologue. I think sometimes they're called like a mirish eye or whatever, but I do find it interesting that this group of free folk had one, Likely it's washed up on their shores, the same as the cloak from the Free Folk Woman, right, that that uh, Mance mm-hmm. talks about. But, I mean, again, most of these Far Eyes are, or almost all of them are mirish because they're using mirish lenses. That's really interesting. I almost didn't catch that. That's a good well, catch. I, I saw it there and I was like, what the fuck is that? And I never, like, noticed, I've never noticed that term in the series. Yeah, I didn't really notice it much either until that. That's crazy. And that kind of says a lot that he hadn't quite been ready to bring all of Mir in with that or attribute it. You know, like at that point, he was like, oh, that's a lot to inundate our readers with, you know? Yeah. It's too far out in the story. We do get a lot of Free Cities stuff in the Crescent chapter, though, interestingly enough. Like, starts to pepper it in more. So I wonder if he was really starting to world build that out more. I mean, we get a lot of it, of course, already starting with the Danny chapters, you know, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Waymar asks Garrod what he thinks killed these people, and Garrod answers with iron certainty, the cold. He says he saw men freeze last winter, and one before, when he had only been half a boy. Everyone talks about snows 40 foot deep, and how the ice wind comes howling out the north, but the real enemy is the cold. It steals up on you quieter than will, and at first you shiver and your teeth chatter, and you stamp your feet and dream of mulled wine and nice hot fires. It burns, it does. Nothing burns like the cold, but only for a while. Then it gets inside you and starts to fill you up. After a while, you don't have the strength to fight it. It's easier just to sit down or go to sleep. They say you don't feel any pain toward the end. First you go weak and drowsy and everything starts to fade and... That it's like sinking into a sea of warm milk. Peaceful like. Oh, that's so nice. I've heard that's what drown like drowning's also very peaceful. It doesn't seem peaceful. 
it's an end moment when your brain's just like dying and has no oxygen that it just like releases something and you feel good that's what i heard i'm not trying to find out um i'll take i'll take people's word for it you might have heard a dog snort in the background everyone um so i didn't realize this until you reread this i think this is one of our first mentions then of in that world building the frequency of winters because we know garrett's about what yeah 50 years old and for him to say last winter and the one before when he'd been half a boy and you're like wait yeah wait that's pretty weird that there've only been two winters since he was half a boy so that's interesting um obviously it gets explained more later on but that's building into it and i do love this idea that comes up in this line so early on of ice burning and it really ties well with jojen's talk to bran later on of you know if ice can burn then love and hate can mate and then also there's something here that makes me think of i've written in an essay before about like cold representing loneliness especially within Daenerys' story and you kind of have that going on here as it talks about the cold getting in you filling you up and you can't fight it you don't feel any pain also towards the end and that i mean that also brings us back to that reminds me a little you know the broken men again you know you lose yourself you don't feel any pain anymore and i i know we've discussed this already in those brienne chapters right the whites and the broken men are also same variations on the theme, different vehicles, but that's... And it, again, as you said, ties into Garrod, too. The mm-hmm. cold gets into him. Well, and that, like, they're not that different from the Whites at the end of the day if yes. all they're doing is yes. fucking and fighting and dying for their masters. Uh, Absolutely. And coming back to the cold, for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, for example, ice and snow is desperation, loneliness, death, isolation... Mm. And I think isolation is is the big one, too, right? Because cold literally, like, social exclusion or exclusion from society feels cold, right? Absolutely. Like, it literally, it feels, your whole body feels, like, almost numbly cold. So that's a great, a great kind of call for some symbolism to look out for in the story, especially, too, in the North. I, in the North throughout, and I think, again, I, I said, like, I think it's a big role, part of the Daenerys story. It's a big part of Tyrion's story. I think loneliness mm-hmm. in yes. not just the absence of love, but the literal denial, denial of love is a big part of so many characters' arcs. And in A Song of Ice and Fire, what happens when you are given love, right? John was denied it a lot early on, but eventually finds it. But what happens if it's continually withheld from you? Yes, yes, yes. I am in big agreement. Big agree. That gets dug into, I guess that gets dug into in Crescent's chapter with Stannis. There is a lot, well, and that's the other thing about these prologues. There is a lot of ice and fire dichotomy throughout this Mm -hmm. that we're going to touch on. That's such a good point. There's so much representation of both in all the chapters. Especially the sleep as described above. Right, the strangler. What the strangler does in the next chapter. That's right. In the POV for next week, it, it you know it was very similar to the idea of like the dream quality, lots of milk of the poppy going about and other stuff. You know, of course, the strangler for reasons that are foreshadowing that we'll talk about. Dun, dun, dun. Waymar 
tries to joke about how eloquent he is throughout all of uh, their, their little journey here. And Garrett addresses him as a lordling and says he's had the cold in him himself. Garrett has, showing him his mm. stumped ears, mentioning that he doesn't have three of his toes and one of his fingers, right? His little finger on his left hand. Interesting. Yes. Like, this is bad. You should not joke about the cold. Oh, I was thinking little finger. I do think that's interesting. There is actually a good little finger call out. I want to say next chapter that's similar. George likes hmm. his jokes. Uh, I will say, though, does make me think of Theon, right? And Jane right now in the snow out there. Mm, I'm worried point. if they stay out there for much longer, they might die. You know, after the first 24 hours that they go missing. I'm just yeah. kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, wait, I found them. It's the Theon one wins chapter. <laughs> uh, so Garrett says he got off easy losing those fingers and toes and ears because his brother had been found frozen at his watch with a smile on his face. Waymar shrugged. You ought dress more warmly, Garrett. Garrod glared at the lordling, the scars around his ear holes flushed red with anger where Maester Aemon had cut the ears away. We'll see how warm you can dress when winter comes. He pulled up his hood and hunched over his garin, silent and sullen. Hey, wait, we know those words. When winter mm. comes. Winter comesing? Winter is? Comes? Coming? Me? Under yeah. your chair? Wait. <laughs> when winter comes. Oh, man. Um, damn, Waymar really said to Garrod, maybe if you hadn't dressed so slutty, you wouldn't have gotten frozen. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> insulting. <laughs> it's pretty insulting. Again, right from the get-go, that injustice of Waymar, you're like, what the fuck, Waymar? How are you going to like criticize Garrod for getting frostbite? And uh, what we were saying earlier about class, being able to afford, you know, Good winter puffer coats. Yeah. And also, like, North Garrett Face, ha- Columbia. Right? Right? And then Garrett even, like, has to be out there, and Waymar hadn't until now. And then also, I don't know, there's just, like, the utter disrespect that Waymar is showing his elders when it comes to experience. And I'm just like, damn, you couldn't do that if you were Asian. But um, I do that anyway. <laughs> I'm very Americanized, and that's why I'm not beloved. Again, I am very annoying. <laughs> and. <laughs> I beloved you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's it's because I'm your elder, Chloe. Oh my you have god. To be, you have to be polite to me. You can say that again, that you're my oh elder. My One more yeah, time. Yeah, I am. I am. You know, aging like a fine wine. <laughs> it is rude, though. It's absolutely rude. It is, right? I will say, I mean, as we said before, right? It sucks. The whole, the whole Garrett thing. He goes from one one lord disbelieving him to another lord disbelieving him. Well, I guess I, Waymar wasn't really a lord, but you know. I can't wait. Someday we'll do brand one and I'll just yell, eat the rich, eat Ned Stark for an hour. <laughs> Fuck dad. Uh, he's no wait, father no, of mine. That's what Kat says. Yeah, I mean, Kat's <laughs> like, he's no father of mine, only daddy. Wait. Oh my god. Uh, Will speaks up and he starts to speak of the cold, but Waymar interrupts because he's really good at that and he's like, How did, how'd you find the wall? During your watch this week. And Will's like, well, it was weeping. So wait, the free folk couldn't have froze. It wasn't cold enough. The weeper. 
I will say I realized this. I didn't. I've never really thought about this. I'm sure someone has a theory, and I've just never seen it. I am kind of like, how did they die then? Right? Like, well, don't they I, bring I the cold? They bring the cold, so I'm just like, do the do the others just stand around in a circle and just wait for them to <laughs> freeze to death? Do they just stare at them until like they die? Mm. Like, I mean, they don't have TV or internet. Like, what else are they doing? Um, if we want the to lead. <laughs> Right. The lead is like, it, what's cooler than being cool? And the rest of them chant back, ice cold. And then, and then they like all think, all right, all right, all right, until the uh, until the uh, free folk die in there. They just go, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Um, I think that it's the cold and their magic. I do. Okay, because I had another crazy idea. I'm like, what if their blades are so oh, no. cold that as they stab you, it freezes the blood so it doesn't trip out? It's not a bad idea. But I also, I, I my other idea was, as I said, they just stand around and watch you freeze to death from the outskirts. <laughs> I mean, it is a little odd, right? Like, only one was doing the fighting. It was like, he's our chosen one. It, 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 maybe. Maybe there's some... Ser- we'll, we'll get into it. Maybe they take... Maybe they draw straws. Oh, my God. Waymar says that he's very bright. Will, he's like, nicely done. The free folk were clad in fur and leather and they were sheltering. It couldn't have been the cold that killed them. He tells Will to lead them there so they can go see for themselves and off they go. Will in front, Waymar behind, Garrett in rear, which again, wait a second, isn't he the lead, the command? Shouldn't he lead his... Anyways, I love this line. I have to call it out because this is actually... I was writing, or when I was drawing the cover art, when I was doodling our little cover art, I was thinking of this line. Twilight deepened, the cloudless sky turned a deep purple, the color of an old bruise then faded to black. The stars began to come out, a half moon rose. Will was grateful for the light. Don't get grateful yet. (sighs) I'll be the Grateful Dead soon. Whoa. (laughs) free will free will Waymar tries to push them to make better pace but Will frightful has become insolent saying not with this horse asking if Waymar (laughs) wished to lead them and a wolf howls and Will pulls to the side dismounting beneath an ancient gnarled ironwood tree he tells them it's best to go on foot the rest of the way and it's just over that ridge and again great world building we got a lot of different horses in this chapter we got Destrier we got this other horse then the wolf, you know, I'm like, our wolf? Our mama wolf that dies? Is that her? Uh, oh, yeah. Good thought. That honestly probably uh, is. I wow. Your mind. Wow. Your mind. I'm I'm very sure I'm I'm very sure I probably read that somewhere else. <laughs> wow. Someone's mind. Good job. Someone's mind. Wow. Uh oh, wow. Very crazy. Wow. A cold wind whispers through the trees. Garrett says there's something wrong here, telling them to listen to the darkness. They're a great band, I agree. Waymar seems unaffected, but Will can feel it too. Waymar pushes them ahead, tying his horse to a tree limb, drawing his sword. Jewels glittered in its hilt, and the moonlight ran down the shining steel. It was a splendid weapon, castle forge, new made from the look of it. Will doubted it had ever been swung in anger. Will warns him it's probably better to take a knife because of the trees and the branches, but Waymar says he didn't ask for his opinions, basically. 
Garrod's commanded to watch the horses and says he'll start a fire, but Waymar says he's a fool and says don't light anything that will attract enemies. Garrod mutters, well, fire keeps some enemies away, like bears, direwolves, and more. Waymar's like, it's a no. For a moment, Will's worried Garrod is going to go for his sword and fight Waymar, an ugly short sword that would surely not protect him. But Garrod finally looks down, muttering, fine, no fire. The fires really are, though, shitty catch-22. You're like, you light one and you give away your position to the free folk. You kind of give your position away to the others, but at least it does keep the others away. It sucks. But also, this this here I feel highlights later on when Will does not shout out to Warren Waymar because over and over, Garrod bends because honor and duty in the Night's Watch um, and that hierarchy, right, kind of bound him to obey Waymar, especially on this ranging, same with Will, and it, it I think, really shows then the severity of Will refusing to do his duty and call out later on that contrast. And I guess Gary deserting, whatever. Yeah, I mean, solidarity, right? Like, had Will said, like, actually, Garrett's right, you should be listening to him, maybe Waymar could have been talked down a little. Stannis in the next chapter even shows a little resolve, right, for a minute. Like, he could almost be talked to like a human. But in this chapter, Waymar is, is, you know, this is kind of the the point of no return right here. You can't turn around from the others sooner than now. (laughs) Yeah, sucks not to be the the last person standing in the horror movie, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Garrod learns that the absolute worst way. Absolute. So well, Waymar tells Will to lead on, and they head through the muddy snow with rocks and roots threatening them as they go. Will is light-footed and heads toward the great sentinel tree at the top of the ridge, sliding below its branches and looking into the empty clearing below. And breathless, Will sees the same scene, but there are no bodies. All of the bodies are gone. Behind him, he hears Waymar call it gods, slashing at the trees to try and get next to next to him, and Will says, something's wrong. (laughs) Waymar looks at the clearing, laughing, saying his dead men seem to have moved. Will's eyes run through the clearing, finally seeing the battle axe he saw before, still on the ground, a valuable weapon, but left behind. Waymar tells him to get on his feet. No one's here, he won't have him hiding in a bush. He says he will not go back empty-handed to Castle Black and fail his first ranging. They must find these men. So this actually reminds me of Quentin Martell being like, I'm not going back home now. No, I have to come back with dragons. I can't disappoint dad. I got to do it because honor is really important. So. <laughs> or Rob Stark. <laughs> also true. Uh... Also true. Oh, well, they're, uh, that's what happens. Now they're all dead. Um, well, I guess Waymar's not in a way. Uh... Anyway, <laughs> Waymar commands Will to climb the tree, look out for a fire, see what he can see. And so he does, fear filling his guts. But then, as soon as he gets up the tree, he hears a voice below. He hears Waymar ask who goes there. And in response, the woods answer. Leaves, the rush of a stream, a snow owl, but not the others, because they make no sound. Yeah, Will is also, I guess, sharp-eyed. He kind of catches them, he, like... Tries to come up with any other explanation for what he saw. He's like, I don't know what I fucking saw. But they are quieter than Will. Good job, others. Yeah. 
it uh it, it again fits right into the mysteries of the prologues right the prologues are absolutely a mysteries of Aeswath. will sees movement know. yeah kind of right the great fantastical yeah. yeah quality the mystical quality will sees movement pale shapes gliding through the wind and he turns to see them but they're gone he makes to call out to warn Waymar, but he stops frozen. And he's like, whoa, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Imagine if Waymar hadn't been so Waymar this entire time. Maybe he would have called out. Maybe he was scared to be wrong. Waymar calls up to him, asking, do you see anything? Why is it so cold suddenly? Well, there's your answer, Eliana. Uh, shivering, Will presses against the tree, feeling the sap on his cheek and watching a shadow emerge from the wood, standing in front of Waymar. How ceremonial that it's just the one other attacking. That's so interesting. Like, the rest just watch the attack. I guess yeah, you only need I, one, right? You only really need one. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying, right? Do they just, like, stand around? Because, like, I know they ring the cold. Do they just stand and emanate cold till they die? Maybe. They, they kind of like, seem chat. to enclose them in a circle of cold. They just, like, record their podcasts while killing people at the same time. They put it on World Star, you know? <laughs> oh my god. Live stream into World Star. In regards to, like, yeah, Will not calling out there, that's that's what I mean. Like, duty's just falling apart. It's it's the whole social order falling apart. Um, Will chooses duty to save his own life. Duty is the death of honor. Honor is the duty of death. Honor is a course <laughs> uh, i i i do wonder like if it had been garrett out there that he saw like in danger right or if it had been anyone else that like will actually gave a fuck about would he have called out and i i do think so yeah which is maybe kind of the point he's just like i don't give a fuck about waymore <laughs> yeah yeah he i mean go away more but i mean that's the thing like had waymar straight up nurtured a little more or listened to them and led yeah. Like a real leader, yes. not like just a man with Agreed. the title leader. Maybe he would have been able to call out or thought about it more. But he was frozen. I mean, that's scary. Yeah. He could have given them like a pep talk and been like, no, we have to go forward because it's our duty as like Night's Watch members. But instead he was just like condescending each time. He's like, yeah, can you tell me how the wall was? It was of weeping, wasn't it? You idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like not... Listen, it's fine to chum around, but my god, that's not how you lead. Like, yeah. John definitely is a better leader than that, you know? That's true, he is. But yes. on the other side of things, like, teenagers are know-it-alls. I know because I was one, and I'm still a know-it-all. I'm still annoying. <laughs> We're still annoying. <laughs> Check back uh, in next week for our next episode where you can catch me probably being annoying with Eliana, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Alex is going to quit halfway through. She's not going to come back. She'll be like, wow, you two are yeah, like... She's like, we should not start back. Uh, we should not start back on Two Girls Gone Canon. You know, it, it, I would just be remiss if we didn't put some of the most beautiful passages yeah. from this chapter in. So we've got a couple passages to read. Tall it was, and gaunt and hard as old bones with flesh pale as milk. Its armor seemed to change color as it moved. Here it was white as new-fallen snow. There, black as shadow, everywhere dappled with the deep gray-green of the trees. The patterns ran like moonlight on water with every step it took. Waymar warns it not to come any closer. His voice is cracking, and he throws his cloak back, and he takes his sword in two hands. 
Then we have other really good fun lines like the other slid forward on silent feet. In its hand was a long sword like none that Will had ever seen. No human metal had gone into the forging of that blade. It was alive with moonlight, translucent, a shard of crystal so thin that it seemed to almost vanish when seen edge on. There was a faint blue shimmer to the thing, a ghost light that played around its edges, and somehow Will knew it was sharper than any razor. Sir Waymar met him bravely. Dance with me, then! He lifted his sword high over his head, defiant. His hands trembled from the weight of it, or perhaps from the cold. Yet in that moment, Will thought, he was a boy no longer, but a man of the Night's Watch. The other halted. Will saw its eyes, blue, deeper and bluer than any human eyes, a blue that burned like ice. Red and terrible and red. Yes! Ah, uh, this is like, these prologues are so good. Like, reading the next one a little early was definitely a treat to look at this with because uh, there, there are just so many great parallels of the undead or the undying or the dying throughout these prologue chapters and the mysteries, as we said. And this ice and fire dichotomy, a blue that burned like ice. Yes. That caught my eyes. Especially you have that line. Your blue eyes. Oh, my blue, blue eyes. <gasps> the next chapter, there's also a line of the candle flames dancing in her red, red eyes. Uh, and, mm. and we talk about going back, right, in George's history today, in our cute little first part of our book report today. I hope you gave us an A plus or five stars <laughs> on a review platform, streaming platform near you, uh, for Eliana. But if you read Fever Dream, I didn't. I'm a fake fan. My husband read Fever Dream, though. Just like Eliana read Dying of the Light. My husband read Fever Dream. And Sand Kings. I read uh, a song for Leah, first of all. Mm. Thank you. So I could still contribute to this yes, family. Yes. And I will between be bringing it up us. later. Yeah, between all between of us. We've done something. <laughs> Maybe I'll start wild cards. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Mm. Uh, I don't respect it that much, just enough. Um, I keep saying I'm going to. I just don't have the time currently. Maybe someday. But yeah. in Fever Dream, George uses some really great language. We have a passage. Abner Mark blinked, and there across the table from him was an animal. A tall, handsome animal in burgundy, and there was nothing the least bit human about it. And the lines of its face were the lines of terror. And its eyes, its eyes were red, not black at all, red, and lit from within. And red, burning, thirsting, red. Uh, simply on the language alone, you can mm. see, you know, some of the imagery George loves to convey. And even what he says in this passage kind of talks about how Will was a man of the Night's Watch. You know, he was no boy. This moment specifically is defining there. Uh, but this transformative bit in Fever Dream that George is literally looking at, like, the transformation of someone from human to almost animal in front of your eyes uh, and watching the others and having that be a transformative moment. Definitely something yeah. there in his writing, something he likes to reach for. That's a, that's a great connection all around. I mean, yeah, absolutely the call out with the eyes and the color, but also that changing moment. And as you said, watching it between, like watching it in front of you, whether it's like, 
literal or something like within someone, figurative, mm-hmm. anamorphs. Um, oh my god. I mean, yeah, you know, like, Waymar does change. He acts like a huge dick, as we were saying, right? Like, and everyone else and their mothers, like, have obviously discussed the complexity of Waymar as, like, a dick, but also, like, a huge hero in this moment. Um, like, yeah. Literally, literally, I'm not the first, like, I don't know, like, the millionth person to say this, probably. Um, but in regards to duty, you know, coming back again to, like, that honor and duty, we know Waymar. Obviously, he wants to do this out of a some sort of pride. He's 18. But to some extent, was he more of a brother of the Night's Watch, as Will notes? I mean, he says he's a man of the Night's Watch in this moment than either Garrett or Will in this moment, despite not being there as long. That is uh, my spicy take in yeah. this cold area. Uh, he, I mean, like, you know, Waymar, he follows his duty despite all the fear going on. I'm like, maybe Waymar was also kind of afraid and he doesn't voice it the way Quentin does when he's like, no, we definitely got to go to those dragons. Quentin's obviously very scared, right? And then Waymar, he does this. And then it is like, obviously he's shitting himself in front of the others. He probably, he probably also wet himself in that moment. I mean, Sam did. Everyone else probably did. Clearly an act of bravery. But I mean, earlier... Was he also scared? Maybe. And then he investigates the threat to the Night's Watch, which is, you know, I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. That's the point of the ranging, you know? He just is, like, a huge asshole about it, and again, probably would have had more success if he was nicer to the people he was managing. But anyways, that is what they're supposed to do. And then the others appear, and then he stands against them. He even shouts, like, as you called out, like, for Robert. And, you know, dies in service to the realm. That's the point of the Night's Watch, to protect the realm. And then Gary deserts, even after 40 years of being here. When push comes to shove, he ends up not actually living up to the oath. That's, like, again, literally the whole point of the Night's Watch. Will also kind of... I mean, he fails, like, as a brother of the Night's Watch, right? He doesn't call out to his brother. And he he also kind of tries to... Well, he doesn't try to desert, but he's just like, oof, good fucking luck. And then... I don't know, it's kind of like, it's a fun, it's paradoxical with all the ways that earlier on in the chapter they try to convince us, like, Waymar isn't a brother, he's like a newcomer to the Night's Watch, he's not been there long enough, and it subverts our expectations of, like, what does it mean to be a brother of the Night's Watch, maybe it's not about how long you've been there, um, but to some extent, it's how well do you live up to the spirit of it, that duty, like, Sam ending up as an unlikely slayer, yet a... I mean, technically, a Night's Watch hero. Yeah. John, in some ways, becoming Lord Commander. Or Brienne being a knight, even though not um, fitting the bill of what many think a knight should be. Or even Dunk, despite never having truly been knighted. I love that. That is a great point. Uh, I mean, because Will, you know, also fails at being a human in that he dies at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he fucks up at that, too. But... That is a great point, how paradoxical it is that, like, we've been built up this whole time to say, fuck Waymar Royce, that class-ass motherfucking, you know, <sighs> fuck that guy. But, actually unfuck him, right? Like, he did his duty. Yeah. He stood against it. That's why he it. gets a second chance at life. A second life, if you Oh will. my god. <laughs> so, more of the others show up. It's a party. Will is like, man, I really should party. call it's out. That's my duty. <sighs> And he's like, but if I call out, it also means I fucking die. So he just hugs the tree instead as Royce fights the other. 
And when the swords hit, the sound is odd. It's a thin, high sound, like an animal screaming. They're going back and forth over and over. The watchers watch them, but they don't interfere. You know, I know this isn't Lamentation, the Valyrian sword from House Royce, mm. but I do wonder if we're going to find it in future books. Ooh. Uh, and I also wonder if we'll hear anything about it during Hot D, House of the Dragon, because oh. during the Dance of the Dragons, Willem Royce was killed in the Dragon Pit during the storming of the Dragon Pit, and he lost the sword. So interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know, and maybe it's nothing. Like there are rumors that Sir Warwick Wheaton slashed a wing off of Cyrax with a Valyrian steel sword, likely lamentation during the storming of the Dragon Pit. And so who knows if it'll come back to the plot, but you know we have this idea of Valyrian steel kind of coming back to the plot. We'll find this one in the wild, maybe, right? And we do have a bunch of Royces running around in Sansa's plot, and they do have runes all over everything. And their words are, we remember, which is absolutely cryptic for no reason, probably, lol. Uh, not to mention that, like, the next chapter, right, Brand 1, we immediately get an answer to the prologue of the others with Ned's sword. With him dismounting, Theon bringing forward the sword. Ice, the sword was called. It was as wide across as a man's hand and taller even than Rob. The blade was Valyrian steel, spell forged in darkest smoke. Nothing held an edge like Valyrian steel. So there's your call and your response. The prologue introduces the others. Bran 1 has ice. It has Valyrian steel. An ice that burns, perhaps. Aha! The others. Aha! Uh, All I know is you got me excited that we might get House Royce in House of the Dragon. I hadn't even considered that, and I would be so jazzed. We might. I mean... I think we have to because they're going back back. I think Damon's going to yeah. start married to House Royce. Oh, that's right. Oh my god, this is so exciting. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. House Royce is fun. I agree. I agree. We deserved more uh, of them. Actually, though. Uh, Other than like, you know, what's his face? Sweet Robin's babysitter. Yeah. Young Royce. Yeah. I do like, I do like Miranda Royce, but I mean like more Royce, more Royce. You yeah, know? more we Royce. Didn't... Rolls Royce. More um, Rast, more Furious. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as, as you know, Waymar Royce is fighting with, unfortunately, not Lamentation, or else, you know. Lamentably. Those others might have some, yeah, lamentably, might have, they might have some Lamentations now, but I guess not. Anyway, his blade is now white with frost because of all of their spells and that are probably on their stuff and then he has a parry that comes a beat too late and this is like some Elden Ring shit right mistiming your parry and so the other sword it's lit with a pale blue light and then because he fucks up his parry as it goes the sword then bites through his ring mail and he cries out blood welling he touches his side and his hand comes back with blood and the other we have this line this line is just, like, so important to me. The other said something in a language Will did not know. His voice was like the cracking of ice on a winter lake, and the words were mocking. Oh, yeah. Yes. They're very, like... I love that. They're very... They have a whole thing going. They're sassy. Sassy others. I want that. In the world of ice and fire, the children of the forest, we learn that their voices kind of mimic or sound like nature or is heavily influenced by the sound of nature. So interesting, right? And thinking of the others, 
Uh, they also have nature-influenced voices, and they ran probably in, you know, lateral circles to one another. You know? Mm. Lateral circles. Influenced language. I uh, mean, doubling... yeah. 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 I mean, they, they literally probably speak in different ways from their environment. and interesting. Different dialects of the same language, maybe. Yeah, of nature. Yeah. Of motherfucking Earth. Can you sing uh, with all the voices of uh, the no nope so not around that river bend we can't so doubling back to royce's blood on the ground i wanted to highlight this line it steamed in the cold and the droplets seemed red as fire where they touched the snow Ooh. can i get an air horn can i get a pew, 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 fire and ice pew, pew, pew. ice and fire the song of ice and fire con <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you might think that this prologue is just about ice, and the next one's about fire, but this one is about ice and fire, and the next one's about fire, and the next one's about ice. And then the next one is about magical school. Magical yeah, about fire. ice and fire, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's about dragons just as much as it is about uh, magic. It is, it is. As you said, the mysteries, which is yes. a great point. Um, I know, like, I, I don't know if I've said it before on here, but, like, I know George says that the others have no culture. I don't think he was thinking through that comment. Because, or maybe we have, like, different ideas of what culture entails. Because I'm like, well, the others have a language. Maybe they have a society. They live in a society, maybe. And clearly they have humor, right? They have that mocking moment, which speaks to culture. And I, I don't know. I've also just, like, I love this line because I've always thought it was so interesting that the others mock, right? It shows that they just think they're very superior to us, that we're, like, fucking ants. Like how the homunculi see humans in Full Metal Alchemist. Oh my god. It's that, true, though. No, it's true. That's literally how I've always thought of it. Like, That's yeah. a great point. I, I do love that they actually have, like, personalities and thoughts. Yeah. They're, like, mocking? Okay. They're, like, hew, 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 hew. What does it mean? What does it mean? I want answers. I want some answers. Well, Waymar finds his fury, calling out, For Robert! And he comes up, snarling, and tries to take the other down, whose rebuttal is, like, almost lazy. He's just kind of like, whatever, fuck this shit. Um, and when their swords meet this time, the steel shatters, and the scream echoes through the night. Waymar falls to his knees, covering his eyes, as the slow-mo shards, like, go shoo, 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 in all directions, right, blood welling between his fingers. Ugh. Before we talk about his, you know, shattered sword in the eyeball, uh, I love how much exposition for Robert really does provide, right? You're Great dumping point. that yeah. someone named Robert is going to be important. Uh, and additionally, we always see people in the heat of the moment, right, in battle shouting something. And the first thing that comes to mind is Arya. For me, it makes me think of Arya mm. and Gendry and Hot Pie fighting in, like, Clash of Kings. Uh, and she feels sorry for a guy that she's killing. And she goes, Winterfell, Winterfell, while Hot Pie yes. is behind her screaming, Hot Pie. <laughs> one of my favorite I, I, that's parts. like actually oh, God. literally one of my favorite scenes hot pie hot pie i think about that all the time i think about that and i think about like the line from heron hall about pia when Arya's like pia was always seeing things in the buttery men mostly um yeah good for her yeah good for her amen but also <laughs> on top of the the battle calls that's what i think of it made me laugh uh the veil loves robert 
right? Like, Robert just graduated out of the veil, out of prep boy school. So, Waymar is Bronzion's son. Robert is about 14 years older than Waymar, but he could have seen him as an infant, right? And it's very likely Waymar was raised on tales of Robert's valor and positively in a pro-Robert Baratheon household. Uh, the Vale's very pro-Robert during this time. So uh, for him to yell for Robert, I mean, that, that makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're very all very sure this is about King Robert, but I just realized because it's a Vale. He could be talking about Sweet Robin. He is technically in some ways sworn to him. But he's probably not. Yeah, isn't Sweet Robin like three? Yeah, also John. No, well, he's like six, but John Aaron would still be alive at this yeah. time, too. That's what I was thinking. As far as John he Aaron's knows. Alive. As far as he knows. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely for King Robert. Yeah, that's a great point. It's, again, great world building, because, like, why else just shout out a fucking name? Then we have a line of swords rose and fell all in a deathly silence. It was cold butchery. The pale blade sliced through ringmail as if it were silk. Me failing to a strong enemy again in Elden Ring. Um, when Waymar <laughs> finally finds, or when Will finally finds the courage to look down again after a long time of, you know, he's just like dissociating. He's like, whatever. This branch is my home now. Uh, the ridge is empty. Royce's body is just lying there, face down. Um... And there's a line of, and lying dead like that, you saw how young he was. A boy. And the man breaks. Uh, mm. No, really, truly, though, what I'm thinking is like, and he never felt the fifth knife, only the cold. Yeah. that's. I mean, that line is, goddamn, <laughs> you saw how young he was. A boy. Will finds what's left of the magnificent sword. The end is splintered, almost as if it was hit by lightning. And he snatches it up, thinking the sword would be his proof. Garrod would know what to make of it, or Mormont, or Aemon. But just as he mm. turns to go... I didn't know that. Yeah, more of that, those names. Fun, 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 fun. Yep. Um, yeah, just as he turns to go, the chapter starts to end. Will Rose, Sir Waymar Royce, stood over him. His fine clothes were a tatter, his face a ruin. A shard from his sword transfixed the blind white pupil of his left eye. The right eye was open, the pupil burned blue. It saw. The broken sword fell from nerveless fingers, Will closed his eyes to pray. Long, elegant hands brushed his cheek, then tightened around his throat. They were gloved in the finest moleskin and sticky with blood, yet the touch was icy cold. Ugh. Wow. You know, sidebar kind of makes me think of the Valonqar prophecy a little wow. bit at the end there, out of nowhere. Um, also, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, it makes me think of Euron's smiling eye. As we yes. narrow this eye thing down, yes. right? The pupil burned blue. It saw. And we've talked about the stark quality to Waymar. Thank you, Dr. Professor Magician PhD. But he reminds me of another historic figure George has written to the story later on. Uh, Simeon Star Eyes is kind of who I'm thinking of here from the Age of Heroes who was blind. And he's described in tales as a oh. knight. Even though chivalry came to Westeros thousands of years later, he loses both of his eyes and replaces them by putting star sapphires in the empty sockets. 
And it also makes me think of Aemond Targaryen from the Greens in The Dance of the Dragons as well. Yeah, great point about Simon Star Eyes. Now I have a new tinfoil that he's there amongst them, and all the heroes have just gone on and were like, what if I just became a cool, sexy ice um, like ice demon? I mean, that's it. It's the new age of heroes, right? Like, that's what we're reading, is the new age of heroes. So here's your first hero, Waymar Royce. Yeah. But what if all the old heroes were just like, what if I... Anyway. Um... <laughs> retired that way and but yeah oh Eamon's an interesting one Eamon's an interesting one but mm-hmm. absolutely with Euron and and Simon right like and it's interesting that only one of the eyes comes back just cause mm-hmm. the other one's like got a shard in it you'd think that wouldn't fucking matter with magic it really does make me think it's a Euron parallel heavily now yeah and and Bloodraven yeah yeah Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally coming, like, in the book soon, with the brand falling, you know? Yeah. Great call. I So, I, like I said, the writing is, like, interesting in this chapter. Um, In that line, like, about Waymar, it, it says, like, lying dead like that, you saw how young he was, and that's actually not italicized in the text, and... The text very rarely, I think... I, I think this is just George's writing style changing, and not being solidified early on because he doesn't usually do that second person thing even to like idiomatically describe things mm-hmm. um i think he that's just a lap so i just thought that was fun but I, I really do like this line towards that ending it's its own paragraph of the right eye was open the pupil burned blue it saw it's just like it hits so hard that whole transformation and the whole like horror element like the it saw it that could either refer to the eye sees or Mm. waymar no longer being like his the breathing human person and is now a corpse not like a he but an it It, it's just like also such a good line in terms of its rhythm right it's these simple sentences like just noun verb and then to some extent like description grammatically and they just get shorter and shorter to like that last it saw there's almost like a this trachaic meter to it um it's almost it's staccato it's like staccato yeah, yeah. right it's the, yeah. the fact that you have the consonants in the right place sticking mm-hmm. in the right moments it saw like it, it yes. keeps the rhythm of the sentence really well yeah it's such a good line great job strong open strong open george prologue yeah can't um, complain i really can't complain you know yeah, I mean, like, the thematics of it, like, and how it ends at the end. Absolute chills. Yeah, I understand it's kind of like every other zombie story of, like, oh, no, the person that you know coming back to life and, like, attacking you. But, I mean, to not be too dismissive, I mean, it was also 1996 before the big zombie pop culture resurgence boom, you know? And, I mean, this is the first zombie that we see in the story, right? Like, be and by zombie, I mean white, because we saw the others, like, a moment ago, and, I mean, it, it's fun. Waymar ends up being the dead one that can hurt you. The dead can, in fact, hurt you. It's a great circular close to what was brought up at literally the very start of this chapter. Well, and it's also, like, buried after yeah. this, right? Like, the story, That's you true. get John, you get the inklings from John's plot, but it gets buried. It gets very much so buried, and it's very well balanced 
that he does it that way. Like you, it's good to get you into the intrigue and the court stuff and get you into the family dynamics and start to understand some of these characters and then drags you into it again. And he's like, Oh yeah, by the way, this actually is important. Yeah. It starts out with this like icy scene. And then, and then you have Daenerys on the other end of the book with the dragons. The night was alive with the sound of dragons or music of dragons. I don't know. It could be whiplash, you know, it, yeah, <laughs> uh, it would be whiplash for for other stories that I've read to do such a drastic change. To then, well, Bran, time to kill this deserter. Which, as you read it, you don't even realize really at first that it's him. Like you're like, wait, wait, okay, wait, this is linear. This is happening. Uh, yeah, but blink and you don't realize. You just think it's some guy they're killing, right? So to read this and understand, ah. These are our protagonists, and they are here, and they are killing the guy that ran from the zombies, and then forget about it yeah. for a while. Like, just come back to it later. That's Literally brilliant. everyone that you met in the prologue is, like, dead. Yeah. Like, by the first chapter. Brilliant. It, it is brilliant. Yeah. Complete smoke show. We love it, George. Thanks. Fucking thanks. Or not smoke show. We didn't light a fire. Ah, uh, it was always burning. It actually wasn't. Oh my god. They got there, and it was gone. Thank you guys for listening in. Thank you all so much for listening to our first prologue POV chapter. Will, I am excited for next week's with Alex from Got Throats and Skybound Entertainment. Uh, next week's will be fun. Press it. It will. It will. Ooh, it will. Yeah. Um, strong, strong opening act here with the Will I Am of the Blue Eyed Peas. Oh my god. I've been a while to say Will that. he's not of the blue eyed peas. Oh. oh Will he true. is no longer. <laughs> he's not. Uh, Will, Will can't come to the Will- phone right now. Why? Because he's undead. <laughs> Ooh, look what you made him do. Okay. Look what you well, made Will do. <laughs> if you have any thoughts for us, please feel free to hit us up on social media or, of course, follow us. You can find us on Twitter at girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N, or you can always shoot us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you're not already, please subscribe to us on the podcast streaming platform of your choice, whether you're over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast, you name it. We're on them all. Give us a Google. And if you have time, give us a five-star review. You know, let Eliana know oh my God. that you really love her. Five eyes shining like blue stars oh reviews. my God. And, of course, you can always find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where patrons in the stranger tier and above get access to bonus episodes this month. It is the Imagination Chamber. And to our Discord, if you are in the Thunder tier and above, $10 and above. Um where we have hijinks. Yeah. Yeah, we do some hijinks there. Car pranks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't wait for the imagination chamber. We are going to use our imaginations from what I'm hearing from our friends. It will be good. Uh, Till then, as always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Don't let it get too cold tonight. Light your fire. Set it all on fire. Oh my god. Lake cracking noises of ice. (laughs)
Yeah. Do you think? But maybe they even just like wait there. You know, like they just like stand there until the fire goes out. What just, happens like, if they want to the smoke a cigarette? Like, can they not light a cigarette up? Would that melt them? Maybe they use like I guess it's not quite a cigarette, but it kind of makes smoke. They use like dry ice or something. You know. These kids and their vape cartridges. We'll see you next week. <laughs> oh my god, they totally do vape. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.